one of the hardest things to find in this day and age is a news reporter or journalist that still has integrity. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. If you are intellectually honest, you will have come to the conclusion that I have a long time ago that the idea of honesty and integrity within many of our news outfits today, well, it's gone. It doesn't exist. Way back in the founding of the United States, the concept of a free press to keep the government in control, where there be honesty and a light shining upon politicians to keep them honest, that was the whole idea of a free press back in 1776. But over the years, especially in the last 30 to 35 years, that has substantially changed. I mean substantially changed. It used to be that the media that I remember growing up was a watchdog. It didn't matter what party you belonged to, you do something wrong and you were exposed for your wrongdoing. The light of truth shone upon those in politics. But gradually over time, especially as we got into the electronic media, literally in the 1930s and 40s, and the politicians knew well how to use that medium, also for decades controlled that medium by the FCC in what they could or could not do. The media now has gradually decided they, for the most part, I'm not saying all, I'm saying a significant number, all of those that are at NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, The Washington Post, The Huffington Post, Rolling Stone, they're all in the same boat. They have an ideology and they have no no issue lying to you. They're happy to lie if it achieves their goal. It's one of the reasons I started this program. Listen, I'm just a little voice crying out in the wilderness. I am not on a platform where I have millions of followers or thousands of followers. I don't do Twitter anymore because I find it just for this program, useless. I just don't use it. There's no need for it for this program. Because essentially, if you understand Twitter, 95% of the tweets that get people's attention are made by about 3% of the people or less. Your voice is so suppressed. And if you say the wrong thing, they'll suppress it even further at Twitter. They're intellectually, morally, and spiritually bankrupt. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And I've said it before. Anytime I've ever seen Jack Dorsey, the head of Twitter, before like the Congress of the United States, he looks like he just got out of bed after a two-day, you know, drinking marathon. He doesn't even know what his company does, or he's just so used to lying all the time, he can't tell the truth. Was watching some of today's hearings with Secretary of State Blinken. 
and kind of going back and forth in the channels, and you, it doesn't take long to figure out the bias. Truth is no longer a commodity that is prized as a prized possession, a pearl of great price. Truth is relative to whatever the goal or the agenda is today. And I'm seeing it even from so-called conservatives. I know tomorrow or Thursday, I'm going to address a few issues with some of these people that ran around as conservatives and nothing more than wolves in sheep's clothing. And I've had enough. I've had enough of these fake and phony conservative politicians that will sell their soul for a vote or power or money. We'll talk about that later. As I said, decent journalists, they're as hard to find as the old proverbial saying, hen's teeth. They're out there, but they're hard to find. And the big tech giants, anytime you get a good one, begins to do everything in their power to suppress a legitimate journalist. You say the truth or go against the established narrative, they'll cut you off YouTube, they'll cut you off Facebook, they'll cut you off Twitter. They'll make you a non-person for telling the truth. Because, see, truth is a great danger to those that are in power. Truth is a great danger for those that are trying to, shall we say, cash in and make lots of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, according to Scripture. Not money, but the love of money. And we see that with some big businesses. They don't care what damage they do to people as long as they make more money. And the bottom line is good. And we have journalists that want to be able to be seen with the Barack Obamas of this world and and be able to rub elbows with those elite because they consider themselves just as elite. And they demand you look up to them. You take every word they say as a phony gospel. It's a phony gospel. I can't even use the word gospel with half the stuff that comes out of the mouths of some of these talking heads. And then the moral decay that is pushed out even further by the Don Lemons or the Rachel Maddows of this world, just spewing garbage and lies, filth and evil. That's not journalism. That's indoctrination. That's propaganda. And if you try to tell the truth, they will fight back and they will do everything in their power to silence you. I've spent a lot of years in broadcast, going back to 1971, 50 years now. But I've also done a few other things in my life, in my my work and also my ministry. And you learn a lot. And you recognize one of the greatest things that destroy families. They, They say it's money, but sometimes it's lack of honesty. And that lack of honesty and integrity is literally destroying our nation. But then again, the Bible predicted a great delusion, a reprobate mind. And sadly, many in politics and the majority in media now live in that delusion, and they suffer a reprobate mind. My guest today is Edward Zale, and he started out as a correspondent with True News. 
Many people used to hear True News on shortwave radio. Then it was also a podcast, and now it's a video godcast is what they call it. And Edward was there for about, I think, almost six years. I was there for a while working on a couple of projects, and then I left to do other things. Edward has now left, and he's beginning to put together the next chapter of his life. I believe the world needs people of integrity, honesty, but most important, a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, where they will want to shine the light of God's truth as we navigate through this thing called life. So my guest today, Edward Zales. And Edward, welcome to the program. I'm going to start with this question. How did you ever end up in this kind of work and this kind of uh, journalism? And if you would, relate your your experience in your time doing this kind of work. Well, I'd say that uh, I, I appreciate that I found a career where I can both be a truth teller and an ambassador of peace. Now, I think one of the core tenets of journalism before it uh, was, was clearly corrupted in the modern era. You can, can you imagine what journalists would have looked like in Babylon <laughs> on Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? There's no record of newspapers there or, or you know, having any kind of uh, information other than maybe a public square. Like We know they had that in Greece. But today, I, I think it is fair to say that uh, there is a, an extreme mistrust in media, and it starts with the journalists. I've met them. I see them every day. Uh, you know, the when I was uh, serving at the White House as the White House correspondent for my, my previous outlet, uh, I would meet the reporters who would make the news. And I would watch as they um, spent most of the day gossiping, playing Candy Crush on their phones or um, mm-hmm. trying to uh, secure, um, you know, illicit meetups uh, with random people, whether it was straight or homosexual. I mean, tell you, the D.C. and the media circles in general are very, very dirty and um, debaucherous fields. Uh, very profane. I guess the word yeah. be prof- just profane. Yeah, very profane. I, I would say that um, the, the fields, maybe that's where they get first got corrupted. But uh, the, the issue is with telling truth, telling truth, reporting things straight. I think many of them don't even realize that they're telling a lie. You know, you have, you have to wonder if uh, the Lord kind of gave most of uh, secular journalists over to a reprobate mind in that sense. They, they don't even know if they're slanting a story. I think some of them maybe even shook out of it near the end of uh, the Trump administration because they started realizing they were making basic errors. Now, a prime example is uh, the Washington Post mm-hmm. with uh, the uh, Carl Rittenhouse uh, and, and the Covington Boys story and even uh, President Trump's transcript uh, with the Georgia uh, Secretary of State, uh, Brad Raffensperger. Mm-hmm. They reported that story based on how a transcript was read to them over the phone. I mean, look, Bob, I... Just, piece, just I pieces of it. Just story. pieces of it. do that. Yeah, they just had pieces of the conversation, ran with it, not with any any sentence can be taken out of context, totally out of context. And that and that is one of the crimes I think journalism is guilty of, at least in the mainstream today. Oh, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Um, you know, it, it took me a while to figure out a lot of the ins and outs of this. But the, one of the core things is you first want to try to hear from as many parties in the story as you can. Mm-hmm. Partly so you don't miss something. I mean, whenever you're referencing a material, it's good to actually play it as a soundbite or, or at least to reference a, an actual transcript that you have reviewed from the, the source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not doing that anymore, Bob. But what they're doing 
most of the time, especially in the Trump administration, I, I would actually challenge anyone listening to this to do this. It's kind of fun. You go to Google and, and type in uh, persons familiar with the situation who cannot speak uh, because they're not authorized to. You type that in. Just see how many stories are sourced based upon that. I mean, the, the main outlets, which are considered the, uh, you know, I, I call them the Marxist media outlets, the, the mm-hmm. mainstream media, not really mainstream anymore because no one trusts them. But the Marxist media outlets like the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Washington Post, and mm-hmm. other uh, staple outlets, uh, newspapers that our parents uh, would have would have picked up every day, read, and, and taken as the gospel. Or people like now, me. Papers they don't source. Yeah, people that? like me at my age, yeah, people like me. There were, <laughs> there were newspapers. Look, I can remember a time. This is scary. But I'm going back 50 some odd years that I could trust the New York Times. Not anymore. But you certainly not. And look, I think in general, it's always important for anybody to, to look at sourcing. You know, even the New York Times, there are stories that I'll look in the New York Times and say, wow, that was a pretty good story, pretty well put together. And you know what they did actually name some sources or they, they provided materials and documentation. Uh, there, there was a story uh, I can think of right now from, uh, it was reporting on January 6th. And it was it actually revealed that um, the FBI and uh, other government agencies had been able to track individuals who showed up at the Capitol to protest. I'm not talking about those who went inside. I'm not talking about the flamboyant shaman man who went inside and became the poster boy of the January 6th riot. No, I'm talking about just the MAGA moms, the MAGA grandmas, the MAGA mm-hmm. granddads who went outside and waved a flag, an American flag at that, and were there to protest what they believed to be election fraud. Mm-hmm. I want them. New York Times reported, and correctly so, that each of the cell phones from the individuals who showed up in the Capitol that day were tracked from the very cell towers they connected to, both their journey to and from the Capitol. There was one man, the FBI, showed up at his doorstep because the tracking of where his cell phone connected, the same cell phone he brought with him to D.C. on January 6th, took them literally to his doorstep. Another case uh, that I remember is in Alaska. There was a, a couple that had traveled to Capitol. Again, not didn't go inside. They just were protesting outside legally. You know, he's in the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. They're in the rural parts of Alaska. And the FBI raided their house. They kicked in the door and took their copy of the Declaration of Independence and a couple of flags and books. I don't know if they've gotten it back. Isn't that terrible? Is it attract them to rural Alaska? Isn't it terrible to think that an American flag and the Constitution are now contraband? Certainly, in the new America. Yeah, it's it, looking at this country. Uh, it sounds trite coming from someone uh, I would say as young as me and and uh, someone who hasn't been in this country as long as you. But I'll say this country is looking weird. And I, I'm a Christian first. I'm not an American first, but I'm a Christian first. Amen. But I do obviously care about the country I live in. And the country I'm living in, uh, even 20 years now, thinking back, I don't know if people just stopped letting their kids outside or if the outside became so dangerous or we were we believe the propaganda that outside was so dangerous. But I, especially in the pandemic, I haven't seen kids playing outside. No, they, you have one neighbor who has kids playing outside. They're playing right in front of the house. I mean, you, you probably can testify the, uh, to this, uh, Bob, that. When you were a kid, you you went all around town on a bicycle. Oh yeah, all the time. Right? And that was in Long Island, up in in near the metropolitan New York area. We were out at night as kids, and we didn't worry about it. It's natural. I mean, what what are kids doing nowadays? I mean, they they're being raised by their TV or their cell phone or their their Xbox. They're not being raised by parents, and and I don't want to fault most parents because look, when it comes down to it. The way the economy and the, and the country and our society functions now, 
both parents uh, feel at least the urge to work. They need to work often just to provide to, to live mm-hmm. in any of these big cities. But uh, it has kind of destroyed the, you know, the, the dynamic of a family. Uh, you know, for, for me, I'm, I appreciate that God placed me in this profession. And uh, for as long as I draw breath or he, as long as he calls me to it, I, I will continue on in it. And I'll, I'll continue on as the minority because the majority of our field are secular and um, they're sold out. Well, you know, the key, Edward, is is this. The world is full of journalists, but they're, most of them now are fake journalists. And let's be honest, mm-hmm. the ones that make the big dollars, the ones that work for MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, even headline news to a lesser degree, they, they're out there pushing an agenda first, and the facts of the story come later. And they'll, you know, there's an old saying back when I was a kid on the New York Times masthead, it would say all the news that is fit to print. Well, now it's all the news that fits will print. I mean, because they have an agenda and they will make that story, even if it's a square peg, they'll they'll jam it in that round hole to make it fit the narrative. Uh, MSNBC is equally as terrible. CNN, all of them. I remember it was probably in 2015, had the opportunity of taking the VIP tour of CNN. And that's a that's an eye opener. Trust me, when you are in one of these staging rooms where they have you come in and you can hear what the floor producer and the directors are telling the talent while they're talking on air and also during the break and the bias the bias in 2015 against Trump and all for Hillary Clinton was massive. You'd walk through the newsroom and you'd see Bernie Sanders items on people's desk or Hillary Clinton, but you never saw any Republicans paraphernalia, just Democrats. That's CNN's headquarters in Atlanta. In other words, they are nothing but state-run media. They have given themselves to a political party. And so finding truthful journalists like yourself is increasingly hard to find. And you made a statement. I want you to comment on this. I really believe, as you said before, and I've said it on my program a number of times, the Bible talks about God giving them over to delusion. They, they have hated the truth so much that God gives them over willingly to their delusion. And they have, as the Bible says, damned themselves as a result. And I really believe we're seeing that in today's media. What, what's your take? Well, certainly, it's always important to look back to what God's Word says in this. And you know, there's two examples. Obviously, you think of Pharaoh. Pharaoh being given to delusion, and the and then times we're told that even the elect might be deceived. You know, mm-hmm. this is it's a prophecy. What I'd say to this is that the system itself appears to have been built on blocks of delusion. You know, it's we look at the television networks. They function because of the advertisements between the network shows. They're not there because people are donating. They're not there because they've uh, done such an amazing job mm-hmm. as a business. They're there because of ad buys, often drug company ad buys. Absolutely. And, you know, you think about delusion for the first step. What, what happens when you um, you take drugs? certain drugs, let's say opioids, mm-hmm. you lose your state of mind, don't you? Absolutely. I, I feel like it's a, it's a pyramid in heaven in that sense for them because they're, they're selling uh, drugs which alter your mind, take away your ability to make sound decisions and uh, maybe wreck your life and make you addicted. And then they're feeding you propaganda which poisons your brain 
which poisons your mind, which poisons your spirit. Uh, I, I think for uh, the outlets and uh, the news organizations, there's a little justice that's been done here is that over the, the course, uh, especially at least of the last five years, most people, I'm talking about the regular people, I'm talking about your mechanic, I'm mm-hmm. talking about the person that makes the sandwiches for you, regular Americans, there's nothing wrong with these jobs, these jobs keep our economy going, they feed a community, They're, you raise a family off of it, mm-hmm. but these people, they don't trust the, the media as far as they can throw them. If they met a journalist, I think they may know more than the journalist. Uh, that's something that the kind of the decentralization of information, I think the biggest uh, benefactor of that has been those layman individuals, those individuals who it's not their profession every day to be informed. But you know what? Because they've at least found out what is a lie, they can discern through headlines, they can discern through information that's flying mm-hmm. at them on their mm-hmm. cell phone. And they they're actually better informed more sound of a mind than the journalists who are paid to deliver information to the public. Your, your comment was dead on when you talked about how many of the television networks in particular, even sometimes the publications, definitely to the Internet, to the advertisers, those that put the money in. And there's no doubt that one of the largest buyers in media today are the pharmaceutical corporations. You can't put on a newscast or a news channel, even even a so-called conservative one, without being inundated with advertising for every kind of medication known to mankind. And they tell you about these wonderful things that will cure whatever the disease is. And you need to talk to your doctor about getting that prescription, which will probably cost a hundred or two or three hundred dollars a month to your insurance company or Medicare. But you need to talk to your doctor because it'll take care of the problem. And then they have all that wonderful music and the nice smiley faces as they quietly rattle off all the side effects that may kill you. And and and, and there, but people keep running out to their doctors saying, "I need to have this drug. Can you prescribe it?" And they do. Well, I, I think that um, if it's not the drug companies, it's um, the, uh, I say the the products and kind of infomercials and the other things that uh, drive the consumer economy. And you know, I'm I'm coming. I'm a conservative. I believe in um, bridled capitalism, not you know just just laying when you know unchecked capitalism. I think that's the kind of stuff that leads to empire, or predatory to, capitalism. You know, exactly. I, I'm I'm in for bridled, and uh, but the reason why I mentioned this is that. Often the other ads are for products that are made outside the country now. Mm-hmm. And I, I sit here and watch like we're, you know, we're kind of a country that used to produce everything, just about everything. We used to have local grocers. We used to have local mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still do mechanics, but not uh, chain. Uh, let's say we, we, you know, most of these chains that are not mom and pop shows anymore. They, they're franchises, thank goodness. But uh, restaurants, regular businesses. A lot of those uh, those companies are out of business now. All of those those you know, local businesses went under because they couldn't compete with Walmart. That's right. They, they couldn't compete with big box stores. And uh, you know the 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 transition to China and the transition to Asia for the production of goods, honestly, uh, it was built on slave labor. It's a very sad thing because it wasn't checked. Let's say 20, 30 years ago, as this was happening. But That's right. Because we we're getting it so cheap, we didn't really care that um, the individuals making the products were. Were essentially slaves. I mean, I, I remember a story about Primart in mm-hmm. England. There was a uh, there was a cardigan 
that uh, someone bought. And on the inside of the cardigan, uh, a little girl or somebody working in a factory in India had uh, knitted in, help me. My goodness, we shouldn't be building an economy on that and certainly shouldn't be fueling the ads for that propaganda network that we call television. That's right. And, and, you're, and you're right about the products being made overseas. Uh, I'm thinking I've spent as part of my life, besides ministry and a few other things that the Lord has opened the doors for, I've primarily been in and around broadcasting. And I, I can remember in a smaller town, let's say 30, 40, even 50 years ago when I started, you had a lot of local businesses, a lot of things manufactured in this country, and local media could survive responding to the local needs. Well, now, a lot, a lot of these rural radio stations are having a hard time because the mom and pop stores are gone because of the Amazons, because of the Walmarts and the large chain stores that don't buy local advertising. They spend it all on network advertising. And so the local voices are also being gradually suppressed because they're being starved out financially. There's just no extra revenue like there used to be to support a local newspaper or a local radio station. So it's become, because of China, because of even Vietnam, because of uh, undercutting in India and other places, you have a lot of child labor. And a lot of people are happy to get their, what, $200 sneakers, and they don't really care that it was made by slave labor, literally slave labor. Yes, and that's, that's why I often uh, kind of, I chuckle sometimes at the attempts to, to roll up American support for new wars or different campaigns or, or, or you know, especially uh, for intervention. You know, it's like of, often we, we forget about some of the core things, such as bringing factories back home, a lot of issues i think for the average american they can care less about uh invading cuba or venezuela they they do want to secure their cities they remember last summer how the cities burned but you know they also are, are starting to wonder why amazon let's say that's really this point in amazon we're talking about monopolies amazon is taking mm -hmm. over pretty much everything in their towns i mean there, there was a story i did get a chance to report on it was about the debut of something called amazon one now, this is a palm scanner payment system. That's right. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> Any Christian looking at this is like, oh, my goodness, I don't want my palm to become my credit card. You know, it's, it's, it's getting a little too close to uh, the mark of the beast system. We're being, that, we're being, uh, prepared. We're being prepared for that. There's no doubt in my mind. We're, we're gradually and even more rapidly. Think about the pandemic. I'm going to ask you this. I want you to hang on here with me. We're going to take a break here in just a moment. And uh, what is one of the, before we, we have enough time, what was one of your favorite stories? Then we're going to come back, and I've got a question that I want to ask. Uh, what was one of the favorite stories you've covered in these past, what, five-plus years? Well, one of the uh, my favorite stories, uh, Bob, is uh, the, the stories, what I call the good news stories. Uh, what, what I was able to do is I was able to find stories which um, were current. Um, they were factual. But they had in them biblical values, courage, mm -hmm. honesty, uh, you know, commitment. Uh, it, these, these are the kind of the values, I, I, you know, you don't get to see in news stories. And, and to be honest with you, you see them in local outlets. That's where those stories originate, when you have a local newspaper or a local reporter. And I'll tell you, this, this is a story that comes to mind right now. There was a young man. Um, he, he was defending his sister. Now, this, this young man... Um, he, he wasn't necessarily thinking about whether he'd be okay if he'd survive this or not, but his sister was being attacked, I believe, by a Rottweiler. 
and he jumped in front of the dog. The dog mauled him, left him with a scar on his face, arm. Uh, he, he was is ripped up. Hmm. He was able to get his sister away from the dog, and uh, he survived. But you know what? Um, he he learned that day what courage means. What family means what protecting mm-hmm. your loved ones mm-hmm. mean absolutely and you know reading that story i don't think it's one of those you know it's a good news story if you can't find anyone who who's against it <laughs> and even peter i don't think came out against this story they, they sided with the young man but the point of this is that uh, that story you read that and guess what you don't leave wanting to shoot yourself you don't leave um with the notion of of uh of grief uh, grief and sadness or anger it's the kind of story that reminds you that regular people can make a difference. Now, that story is, is something I, I, I've read plenty of others. I, I think one another one comes to mind is um, the apartment collapse, uh, the apartment structure condo down in Miami. Mm-hmm. Now, often what, what my job would be would be it, it, to go through those Marxist media publications, Washington Post, New York, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, you know, Politico, and, and try to find nuggets of truth. Little, little nuggets of truth about a story, little facts. Well, in the Washington Post, they sent a reporter down to interview survivors of the collapsed condo in Miami. Mm-hmm. I think Blue Surfside is the name of it. And, uh, you know, individuals, is terrible. It's a terrible situation. I think it kind of showed a lot of problems we have in a society where um, because we're not talking to each other, because we're, we're so caught up on a day-to-day that that condo association specifically, I suspect, was unable to convince the people in the building to fix it. Thus, hey, the building had some serious structural issues and uh, eventually collapsed. But there was a story of a, a grandma, a grandma in a high-level uh, apartment in that building. And she says, uh, she's a believer, she was woken up by the Lord uh, just woke her up and said, get up, awake, get out of bed. So she did. She was obedient. She got up. She walked over to her balcony and went back to the middle of her apartment. And it was that moment she looked over to the right and started seeing a crack appear at the bottom of her living room to the right on the wall mm. and go flying up to the ceiling. And there it is. The apartment started to shift, started to move. The part that had the crack turn into uh, a major shift and and began to crumble well she heard uh, right before the crumbling run now she's like well maybe i need to grab my nike maybe to get my wallet maybe to grab something she heard in her, her mind run so before her apartment became a uh, part of the the rubble let's say she was able to get to the stairs she, she basically had about 29 seconds i believe that's what she told the washington post 29 seconds had she waited any longer than that she would be dead or at least seriously injured but she was obedient to the lord got out of the building and she you know she credits her survival to the lord but but obviously this wasn't uh, a big enough story for the washington post so they buried it in their package about all the survivors and they you know they didn't really want to make it a highlight they you know they figured maybe a discussion with others maybe people who died that let's focus on the people who died but they definitely did not focus on the woman who lived and lived because she was obedient to the lord and my guest today on the program is edward saul many of you may have heard him before on the program true news ed and i worked together about five five and a half years ago he came on board shortly before I left to go into other parts of broadcasting. And it's a privilege for me to have him on the program today as he 
as he is looking to make a big change in his life. And I hope you'll keep him in prayer as he looks for where God would have him to be. And so Edward is, uh, he's learned a lot in these past uh, six years during the time that he was at True News as a reporter. And when we come back in a few minutes, I'm going to ask some questions about one of the first major overseas stories that, that he covered. I want to remind you also, this ministry is faith-based, and you have been the ones to keep it on the radio. And I can't thank you enough for the efforts you put in and for your financial support. I can honestly say that every month we've been on the air with this program, you have consistently met the need. And for that, I am so thankful. If you want to help support the ministry to pay for the airtime, I'm not paying myself. I don't make anything from doing this program. The Lord just laid this upon my heart to start this ministry, and I hope that it grows and does have more individuals taking care of this program, maybe even a video version for those that would like to have video. If you'd like to help out the cause, you can always mail your check of support made out to Ancient Word Radio, and our address is 21, that's 21, 21 Berkshire Lane. That's 21 Berkshire Lane. Number 263. That is our secure box, number 263. And we are in the little northeast Georgia community of Sky Valley. That's Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Once again, our address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263 in Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. We'll take a break and be right back with Edward Zoll. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The mystery of the Kippurim. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on getting a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, what does Yom Kippur mean? The Day of Atonement, yes, but literally the Day of Kippur or covering. But the word is often written not Yom Kippur, but in Hebrew, Yom HaKippurim, which literally means the Day of the Coverings. You see, God's covering is so great that the word covering doesn't quite cover it. So it's Kippurim, coverings. See, in the Bible, it's written that Messiah is the fulfillment of Yom HaKippurim. So Messiah is our covering, or rather, he's our coverings. What does that mean? It means if you've received him, every one of your sins is covered. But it means more. When somebody's watching over you, they say, I've got you covered. Well, he's got you covered. When you lay down at night, you sleep securely under the covers. Well, he's got you covered. You can sleep. When you made a lot of mistakes and you find yourself in debt, you need somebody to take care of it so it can be covered. Well, he's got you covered. When you're in danger, you need somebody to protect you, to cover you. He's got you covered. When you go into a fancy place, you may need to pay a cover charge. Well, he got you into heaven and don't worry about it. It's covered. In ancient times, when a man offered a woman his love in his house and his protection and his life, he'd spread his cloak over her. So in that way, too, God's got you covered. So, my friends, celebrate the coverings, the Kippurim. Walk in joy and courage and without fear, because the Day of Atonement is really Yom HaKippurim, the Day of the Coverings. And if you don't remember that, just remember this one thing. He's got you covered. Want more? Ask for Yom Kippur. 
Would you like to be faster than a speeding bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, or how about just move mountains? You can. Sapphire is the super spiritual supplement to help turn your walk into a super life with God, plus the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. How do you get all this? Easy. Remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. So easy. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to join with me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah HaKippurim, our covering. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of our Tuesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We've been getting more emails and correspondence from out of the United States, which I'm thankful for. We have a growing audience in Australia and a growing audience believe it or not, in the United Kingdom, and even more so in recent months up in Canada. Now, Canada is a country that I used to visit quite often in my, shall shall I say, my younger days. Growing up in New York State, we lived on Long Island as a, when I was a young kid, but my high school years were spent in a small town not far from Rochester, New York, and Lake Ontario also where I started my radio career. And it wasn't that long of a drive down the New York State Thruway toward Buffalo and then up across at the Peace Bridge to to go into Canada. And, And friends of mine, we would do that occasionally. I even spent part of a summer way back teaching a vacation Bible school uh, in a small town, Bramley, near uh, near, uh, Toronto. So I know the area well, and to get correspondence now from various places in Canada has been just an exciting thing for me. And I know, I know the struggle that so many Canadians are going through. I can remember when I go back in time, and I think back what it was like in the 1970s in Canada. They were very free people, a very determined people, very self-reliant. And in these intervening years, you end up with a Justin Trudeau, lockdowns that are insane, arresting pastors for worshiping in a church because there's such a fear over the man-made China virus. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later this week. I have some other uh, things to share. We're working on the website. And uh, we're getting there one step at a time. Hopefully, we can do some major rebuilds. You can find it at truth2ponder.com. That is truth2ponder.com. Check it out. And we're going to try to make some more improvements as we go along. My guest today, my guest today is Edward Zoll. He and I worked together for a brief time 
a number of years ago for a ministry called True News. And he has recently left True News as, as he's going to be, in essence, restarting his life. And during his time there, though, he's covered a number of stories. And one of your first stories, as I recall, overseas was going to Davos, Switzerland, and that was to cover the World Economic Forum. Your thoughts when you think back on the World Economic Forum? So the World Economic Forum, you know, often called Davos, is is a peculiar place. Uh, it it did live up to some of its reputation as a its infamous reputation that it is the gathering of globalists. It's where the elite go to decide uh, how you and I, Bob, and the rest of the world get to live. Uh, it in some sense it was that. I'd say that the most powerful people in the world did attend. Our president attended mm-hmm. at the time, President Trump. Um, other leaders from around the world, even the, you know, obviously the organizer of, of the event, the chairman, uh, Klaus Schwab. But the, a lot of the economic forum is also just an economic forum. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, one, one, they'll look at these events and they think, oh my, it's um, a bunch of world leaders getting together and they're, they're all putting their hands on a, um, a glowing ball, uh, glowing red, and they're, mm-hmm. they're making sentences to the devil. You know, it's, it's not how these economic forms function. I do think, um, to, a, to a certain degree, it serves as a platform for many tinier countries to try to expand their influence and also to sell their goods. At a base level, it has provided Asia and Africa specifically the ability to open up their economy. Now, clearly, that did not come without a price. So the World Economic Forum, uh, you know, they, they have 21 sustainable goals. This is part of an agenda moving mm-hmm. toward Agenda 2030. You know, everyone heard Agenda 21 mm-hmm. uh, over the last 10 years. This this uh, attempt to use uh, environmental regulations and um, information and yeah, dossiers well, given to world even, leaders. Even states like New York are, are I think, by 2035, well, mm-hmm. they're going to have a law. You can't sell a gasoline automobile. They're going to have to be electric by 2035. Sure. Uh, and Joe Biden, our current president, has committed to switching all government vehicles over to being electric. I, I believe also that's 2025, 2026, certainly before 2030. Um, you know, there, there clearly are some things such as uh, the autonomous uh, vehicle industry, which I actually think will b- begin with trucking. Uh, mm-hmm. Begin with trucking, and, and one of the core reasons for this is is that uh, humans have to sleep, humans have a conscience, and uh, humans can strike. I think that uh, the global elite um, and the leaders of this country don't want to see the country, to, you know, brought to its knees, paralyzed, or even um, stopped from taking certain action. Uh, such as what's happening in Australia with uh, the trucker strike. They're, tr- oh, yeah. they're striking over vaccination mandates. They don't want to see that in this country. So they want to introduce autonomous trucks. Now, with the World Economic Forum, clearly that was an agenda item they raised well before anyone was even beginning to talk about mm-hmm. autonomous vehicles. Um, yeah, but the, the event itself, uh, I, I think my takeaway was that maybe we were sent there as a witness. And when I say this, I, I think we were among maybe a handful, maybe there's 10, 15 Christians who attended that event, mm-hmm. uh, maybe out of the couple thousand who were there. Yeah. And the people I spoke to, you know, it, it's, I think it's, it should be impossible and it is, uh, you know, not possible for me to have a conversation with someone and my faith not come out. I think every Christian, it should be impossible it should be, for that to happen. Exactly. It should be natural, right? It should be a characteristic. It should be something that comes out in our talks. And I'll tell you, I remember the first uh, economic forum, I spoke to someone who on paper 
And even on air, I mean, you know, Bob, we, we take positions, we take, take passionate positions when it comes to politics and other issues. Someone that would be our pure enemy is someone I sat down and had a conversation with. She was a, uh, she was the head of a socialist union. I still mm-hmm. remember black hair. Uh, I would say a nice lady. She, her ideas, uh, obviously, in, in my mind, are leading to uh, a terrible outcome. Oh yeah. But you know what? We had a discussion, and and what she said to me uh, stuck with me. She said, "I feel that we're entering a period very similar to World War One." And I said, "What do you mean by that?" She's she said, "Well, the world is incredibly divided." That's right. And and I entered this this field. I, I wanted to make. Um, I make uh, workers, uh, you know, I wanted to make it easier for workers to work in factories. I wanted to make it so um, it was uh, people got a fair wage, people got health care, you know, and we, we know where a lot of that has gone. It's gone to bloated governments, it's gone to all kinds of um, discrimination and also depletion of rights for workers. But I think she might have been telling the truth. She was saying that is at least where she went. But she took it to a different level. She took it to that she is seeing division that could lead to war. And I said to her, like, well, um, I, I, I actually share the concern that you have, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I would say, in a spirit of fear like you are, because I know where I'm going if I die in that war. And she actually looked at me and asked, like, what do you mean? And, yeah. Bob, I, I got to share the gospel with someone I don't know if she'd ever be. Share the gospel too. Oh, it's like someone that you would think is just an evil person, but I had an opportunity to share the gospel with her. One of the things about the World Economic Forum, two things actually that stand out to me that I find deeply concerning. Number one, uh, they've made good use of this pandemic to push many of their goals. There's no doubt about that. But I, I looked at some of their videos. I've looked at their website a number of times over the past year as people would say, you need to see this video or that video or this uh, pronouncement. And the whole idea of you'll rent everything, you'll own nothing and be happy. You know, you rent your phone. Why not rent your appliances? Why not rent your place to live? Why not live in these structures that give you only 15 minutes to walk so you can save the planet and stop driving those evil vehicles as we fly in our jets, you know, telling you how to live your life. And and it seems to me that those that run the World Economic Forum at the top level, they are among the wealthy elite. And they're seldom ever doing without. And, and But they're, they have picked up that delusion that they have to worship this earth and they deny the creator. And this is what I find most troubling. All the good things they may sound like they're saying are based in a reality that this world is it. This is all we've got and we have no hope. And they prey upon we have no hope. Your take. Well, I I would say that um, not all of them have evil intentions now intentions obviously it doesn't matter if they don't have evil intentions if it leads to an evil end it's still evil right you know someone's saying well i'm i'm shooting this gun into a crowd i don't have the intention of hitting somebody i'm just trying to make a scene you hit someone it's murder the people i've spoken to there Mm -hmm. I, i don't think that for them they even understand the bigger picture i think that the world economic forum actually serves as uh, a form of indoctrination for those who serve the elite. Now, what I mean by this is there's a lot of Manchurians at the event. Actually, the majority of people there are staffers, are employees. There are leaders, 
but the majority of them are government employees and mm-hmm. company employees, senior level at that, and they're there to learn the doctrine. They're there to le- understand the rules. They're, they're never going to achieve the position of president, that prime minister, CEO, but you know what? They're serving the CEO. You're absolutely right about um, right. The, the extent of getting rid of ownership. I, I, I think one of the most shocking things I heard at, uh, at Tablas was they they actually wanted to create what's called a universal digital identity. That's right. This is before any discussion. You know, I, I recognized the concept. I wouldn't say I recognized the terms. It was the first time I'd heard the term. I recognized the concept because of um, you know some studying and, and reading I'd done about cashless societies and you know, the problems with that. You know, it's a society where you you are paying completely remotely. You're not paying with cash, with hard money. Uh, you know, definitely not uh, with gold and silver. But you're you're paying with an electronic uh, processor. And and most of the economy now has shifted to this. But they were talking about something far past this. A universal digital identity to them was a, a fingerprint, a digital fingerprint that follows you everywhere, whether it be on camera, whether it be your voice identification, whether it be your heat signature, because mm-hmm. that is unique. A lot of people don't know that your it heat is. signature is unique. And uh, what this would do, it would follow you through many different systems, including banking, government, uh, entertainment, uh, health, uh, housing, anything, health. And, and this would allow the government to always identify you. It would take away your anonymity. It would take away your ability to operate as a regular person. You will always be identified. And I think for most who've paid attention during the pandemic, you're starting to realize now why that might be a bad thing. Because including the health portion of that, if you're not vaccinated, yes. they can track you. They know exactly where you live. They know exactly what your aspirations are. Uh, if you give them enough time, uh, they, they may actually start to figure out what your future intentions are before you even think of them. I mean, Amazon is one example of uh, the predictive algorithms being able to pre-ship goods to a local Amazon location, a warehouse, knowing that because of your patterns, you will order it. And now because it's near you, they can give it to you same day. I mean, that's how the same day shipping works. It's very freaky, but it's done through predictive algorithms, artificial intelligence, and uh, the growth basically of a global brain, a neural system built out of all the computers and cloud computing and all the things that are coming with the fourth industrial revolution. Now, that, that's what Davos is now. It is the marketing department for the fourth industrial revolution, but also the university to train those who will rule those who work in it. Hmm. Before we run out of time on today's program, I want to give you an opportunity I know you're going through some major changes in your life. We'll just leave it at that. And and I want I've got a wonderful group of listeners that are just prayer warriors and just God's people. And if you were to say what is the wish and desire on your heart for the career and future that you are are hoping to achieve, what could we all agree with you in prayer to to find? Well, I I'd say the first thing is um Pray that um, that fame doesn't change me. Not that I, I think I'll succeed or I'll, I'll make it in this industry, but what I do pray is that I remain humble hmm. and that I seek out wisdom. I stay close to the Lord. I've seen so many fall from that. Uh, just pray for protection uh, of my family. Yes. Um, pray for discernment. Pray, pray for wisdom. I, I think that uh, the, one of the best things that's come out of uh, my change of uh, employment has been uh, 
you know, going back to the Bible, um, I'm, you know, when you work in a church, you probably know this, Bob, when you work oh, in yeah. a church, you don't start your day anymore with the Bible. You should. You, you should be reading more of the Bible than, than you do when you're, you're not in it. But I'll tell you, churches, it tricks you into thinking that I'm going to a Bible study at church, so I won't need to start my day anymore. God will understand. Now, I, I, I think that was, uh, that was a mistake, and I, yeah, I think I might, have, uh, I might have insulted the Holy Spirit with that. I've gotten back to it. I start my day by getting into the Word, not getting into a news feed, not getting into a conversation, but getting into prayer and, and a, a, say, a, a divine conversation with the Lord. But pray for my scheduling. Pray for um, the, for appointment. I, I want to serve the Lord. And, and what that looks like right now is kind of coming together. I think I, I may be uh, launching my own program. I'm certainly going back on air on a couple um, outlets, so there'll be an update on that soon. Mm-hmm. I, I started a Substack. It's a Substack, and if you search my name, Edward Zoll, E-D-W-A-R-D-S-Z-A-L-L. I've got a, a free newsletter there where I'm updating people on what we're doing. I'm already a subscriber. I also started a Telegram today. I'm so also a subscriber, uh, so I'll have to look for Telegram now, too. Uh, yes, I, I started a Telegram today. I learned how to put up the feed, and that's another place you'll see updates. But that's it. I, I, again, I, I would be happy opening doors if that's what the Lord wants me to do. He wants to be a greeter at the door. I'll hey, do listen, that. let me tell you something. I've been doing this program now without a day off uh, for over a year. Who knows? Maybe when I get we get back to Florida in um, October, uh, maybe you can take the reins of this program for a day or two and, and let me actually walk away and, and take a nap. It's It's been a rough ride, as If you, if you agree to play pickleball with me, we'll do that. I'm not that good at it with my back, but we'll try <laughs> it anyway. Um, but, but but definitely, I want, I want my listeners to keep in prayer for you. Any last thoughts before we begin to come to the end of our program today? Anyone listening to this program, if you're wondering uh, how you can serve the Lord, the first step is to humble yourself and pray to Him, and look for how you can uh, how you can reach out to those around you, how you can uh, take advantage of your situation you're currently in, the coworkers, your boss, your family members. Look, the Lord blesses those who are responsible with little. Okay, it, you're in a situation right now where you can change the world. And you need to get active. You need to do. You can't just say. My guest on the program today, Edward Zoll, former correspondent and anchor for True News. Now, Edward and I worked together for a time at True News. I was there oh, late 2014 into 2016. He came along, I believe, end of 2015 and has stayed there for about going on almost six years. And during that time, he has developed a lot of skills and talent in being a correspondent. And I really believe firmly that God will use him and his talents in ministry. Sharing the news, the true news, the real news, it takes integrity. You know, there are a lot of even what I call conservative correspondents that are so into their ideology, they look the other way. When even people supposedly of a like mind go astray. And that's equally as dangerous, in my opinion, as those that are on the leftist side. I don't even use the term liberal anymore. Liberal, to me, is Hubert Humphrey in 1968. A man who actually had a heart and a brain common sense and compassion 
Now, I may have disagreed with him over the years in terms of what he believed in and in, in terms of the welfare state and a few other things, but the liberal of the 1960s, the classic liberal, has very little resemblance to the leftist of today. The leftist of today rely on misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda to convince you of what they're doing is the right thing. And I also, like I say, I, I bristle, <laughs> the hairs on the back of my neck go up when I listen to people that are supposed to be conservative betray their own cause. Good example. We'll talk about this one day soon. The Lincoln Project. Oh, we're great conservatives. They just couldn't stand Donald Trump because, see, these were the conservatives that were part of the swamp playing the good cop, bad cop to keep the money rolling in. That's all they were. And we know how many millions of dollars they raised, which propped up all of their failed businesses and consulting endeavors. And they hit a pedophile. And so that doesn't do well for, quote, the conservative cause to have those type out there. Exposing and bringing truth on matters that are important to you and I. That's what we do in this program. That's why we talk about how this pandemic has been used for political gain. We've never done anything like this in our nation's history. I can't think of, I don't think they were this rabid during the Great Plague of the 1300s. But to listen to politicians today, you would think that every day they bought out these big tractor trailers with a PA blaring, bring out your dead. Yeah, I know this virus has killed many, but I know that it's also killed many people's freedoms, dreams, aspirations, and businesses. We fear a virus more than we fear God. And churches, churches that just caved to the government and said, okay, we will stop worshiping. We will, we will bow down to the government to be our savior. God will deal with those churches in due time. There's a difference between taking precautions until you understand and there is totally abandoning everything in the name of fear. Do you believe in the work we're doing here at, here at Truth to Ponder? If you do, would you let me know? Send me an email. My, my direct email address is bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. If you'd like to get a hold of Edward Zoll, contact me and I'll forward your email to him. I'd be delighted to. If you believe in the work, consider maybe supporting us. Our mailing address, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. Our secure box in Sky Valley, Georgia. Two words, Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code is 30537. And until we meet again tomorrow... May God richly bless you is my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.